how I've been talking a lot about the microbiome lately and how important it really is. But how do we know what's in there for sure? And how what's in there is affected by certain triggers or stressors in the environment and even in, in our food? Well, that's why we're jumping on Zoom now to talk to Carol Hughes, who is instrumental in a massive research project all about the microbiome. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to Adults Life. Carol Hughes, welcome to Adults Life. Yes, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. No, gosh, I was so eager to get you on because all the listeners are very tuned in to this thing called the microbiome. And you're behind and you've helped create the pet biome. Yes. Tell us a bit more about that, because I wasn't aware of it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, um, we we started it. I'm the kind of person who, who, if a problem needs solving, you jump in at the opportune moment and then you work really hard to find the right answers. And I think that's how we got into the microbiome with dogs. We were, um, I guess, funded. It, it, we've got quite a strange history, but we were funded by the Welsh government to research uh, plant active plant compounds as antimicrobials for horses and dogs and people. And at some point, we kind of went off to tangent and to do dogs and horses. Um, and we we then were funded to research obesity in dogs. And we were introduced to some microbiome specialists at Aberystwyth University. And we've been going ever since. Um, you know, really since 2014, we've been looking at what goes on in the microbiome and trying to find out answers with some of the top researchers in the country. And in 2018, we then launched first commercial service, um, but always with the mind to keep improving what we're doing and keep finding the answers um, and to do it with, you know, as much integrity as you can, because it's a very complex um, kind of area, really. Well, really complex. And uh, I mean, you must have been really on the forefront of this because, you know, it's been muted for ages about the link. For example, you know, my mum got bad dementia. So it was so interesting for me to sort of learn how, you know, the brain and the gut are connected and this yeah. extraordinary connection that kind of links into yoga and even dance, you know, so much yeah. as your toe is connected to your neck, you know, um, it, we're, we're, we're a whole, you know, yeah. um, organism. It, it's fascinating to me, but explain, because I've, I've been looking on your website and everything and I know you've recently harnessed artificial intelligence yeah. to actually help with your diagnosis of poo samples. Is that how you do it? Uh, yes and no. Um, we the, the microbiome is incredibly um, organised because it's an ecosystem. So once you've got tuned in to its language, I actually find it really straightforward and logical to work out who's doing what, especially with the backup of so much research, you know, 10, 20 years of research in human and the human side. And we're also linked with Illumina well, on Base Space. We have a research sharing platform. Um, so we can share data with 
scientists all around the world on that platform. But with the AI, how that's helped is that when you're looking, um, I think especially relating to the environment, when you said um, that we're, you know, it's, it, it, whether you're doing dance or yoga or, or what, what you're doing within the environment, um, you're right. It is a very, an all in one thing. You're linked to everything. And I think with the AI, it helps to pick out those uh, bacteria that are maybe not in the microbiome in large percentages, say for digesting carbohydrates, but are, are there because they speak to the brain or they speak to another part of the body. Um, and it's not always obvious straight away. So the AI has helped us with that, but then we use it to look at the population, uh, to compare to the population database so that we can be accurate in what we do. It's very interesting also, you've studied obesity um, and, you know, it's interesting that some humans believe they have a fat gene. Um, yeah, yeah. And, of course, dogs are sadly getting fatter and fatter, yeah. <laughs> you could say, <laughs> so is the human population. And, of course, obesity causes a lot of disease, not least arthritis and pressure on the joints. But we're seeing diabetes um, in dogs, which, you know, yeah. back in the day didn't exist in dogs. So what did your research illustrate? Um, to start with, we, we were looking at uh, a plant steroid um, to increase metabolism, um, which I think we did four or five years and it did work. However, we've kind of evolved where we're going, the direction we're going. We still use that plant compound, which is a steroid. Um, or we, It's not anabolic, so it doesn't change the hormone system, but it does impact energy, which is a good thing. Um, but we then moved on to looking at antibiotic-resistant bacteria. There's a gang of bacteria called the Bacteroidetes, and they, they're divided into three portions. And one portion digests carbs, one set digest um, mucin and blood. So if you're feeding raw, you've got more of them in the microbiome. And then the third ones are digest sugar, but they're, they're antibiotic resistant. And so it means that you can't get rid of them out of the microbiome. And it also means when you feed antibiotics, you may get rid of the other two groups related to um, the mucin and blood and to carbohydrates, but you won't get rid of the sugar ones. Right. So it means then that the microbiome is full of sugar digesting bacteria that are antibiotic resistant. And then that causes the problem um, of obesity. They put on weight because they're so efficient at digesting sugar, um, of which a dog doesn't really get when you think right. about well, Yes. So cars. why exactly? So why are we seeing that particular strain of bacteria in dogs? Has has that strain of bacteria become more in dogs as yeah. dogs have eaten more processed food yeah yeah and i think there was a massive difference um a massive change during covid um we did do the trial with the um kind of vet hospitals um through the veterinary i think it was the veterinary times um and we looked because the microbiome suddenly changed during covid and the antibiotic resistant bacteria increased i would say by about 25 percent I don't know why you, why that happened. It was an event for sure that happened in that year of lockdown. But I really, you know, we, we, we're just a small 
um, outfit, it would take a lot of researchers to really get to the bottom of why and how. But we saw that change then and it hasn't gone back in some dogs. It's probably getting worse. Um, the microbiome is losing its diversity. The antibiotic resistant bacteria are increasing and the biome is becoming more efficient at extracting the wrong kinds of nutrients. So worrying. Do you think stress has anything to do with it? Yeah, I have. I have someone has kind of pointed that out. Um, and I think, yes, for sure, especially with the loss of diversity and maybe not going outdoors in the right kind of environment as much. Yes. Or again, from an enrichment point of view, if you're thinking the brain feeds back to the microbiome, if dogs are kind of in a permanent state of semi-anxiety, then yeah. maybe it's working the reverse way around. Yes. Yeah, for sure. It was interesting, actually. I don't know if you've read the amazing book, The Forever Dog by Dr. Karen Becker and Rodney Habib. I don't know, Carol, if you've read that. It's very no, good. Someone, someone did say, and I, I will read it. Yeah, yeah. It's, really, it's really interesting, actually. There's a lot on the microbiome in there, actually, and quotes from Dr. Tim Spector himself, you know, the kind of the godfather of the microbiome in humans. Yeah, very interesting. And there was this, uh, there was, um, a case in um, Oregon in America where a load of pit bulls were seized from, um, you know, a nasty dog fighting ring of nasty people. And the welfare organization behind it split the dogs into two groups. Those oh, that were, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you hear about this? Dogs yeah. that were definitely dog to dog aggressive, okay, yes. were in one group. Dogs that showed no outward aggression on purpose to other dogs were in another group. And lo and behold, their poop, their poo samples were studied and the uh, microbiome, the, the bacteria in the poo were completely different, yeah. suggesting that, again, certain bacteria promote sort of more happy vibes and other bacteria can promote or lack of a happy bacteria can yes. promote more aggressive tendencies perhaps no no that's absolutely right I, I think that's really clear in dogs you know you do have the bacteria that produce happy chemicals we do actually have a reading on the report to show if your dog has the happy chemicals and one of the biggest um, drop falls comes if they're on long-term medication or they've had antibiotics that tends to reduce that, that those bacteria making them more prone to anxiety and also some some dog wormers will, will do the same oh gosh i always recommended my consultancy you know carol not to do wormers but to do like yeah. they do in scandinavia you know test before you treat yeah like, again using three days poo samples using the first poo which i assume you must ask for when you're doing your test do you ask for the i hope no one's eating mm. do you ask for the the first poo of the day to be sampled in getting the samples for you to study uh, no, we, we have done longitudinal studies and we haven't found that it, it makes a difference to the sample. Um, so we don't ask for that. The, when we're collecting poo in our samples, it's um, preserved for the genome because we're extracting the genes. So there is kind of quite a, a core anyway. Um, and it doesn't seem to matter what time of the day you do it. The gene, genome doesn't change massively. Um, so we, we don't mind too much. 
It's so fascinating. So just quickly explain if people are interested like me <laughs> in getting this done to analyze my dog's microbiome. So I asked Tim Spector if he would do it, but he, he said, I do humans. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think um, that you can't swap the labs, can you? I mean, we don't we do any animal in the world, but um, we can't do humans. So, yeah, hmm. I, it must be something to do with the lab, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Or yes, exactly. Or yeah, exactly. Like, you know, vets can't treat humans um, and vice versa, I suppose. But but yeah, so so what would I do, Carol? Take me through the process of uh, getting my dog's well, poo you, to you. you. You just have it. It's a tiny little what we call a bee tube. We Because we're using a research lab um, and it's really important to us, the research part of it, I have to probably say is probably more important than the commercial side. It's just the way we've always worked. So we're looking for high quality results um, at species level, so not at genus level. We actually want to dig really into the depth of what is going on in there and the relationships of the bacteria are important. So you get a kind of a commercial, it's not a nice fancy, well, I think it's quite nice, and it's got quite a nice box, a nice kind of purple and blue box, but the tube is just a tube full of preservative it's tiny, it's a bee tube, so a five mil tube, and you put in the tiniest amount of poo um, into that tube using um, a spatula or uh, forceps, uh, I mean tweezers, and then you send that off to us when we send it to the lab. Um, it takes some time for them to uh, to analyze it because we have to, because we're using a research lab, they have to do enough, um, maybe a hundred samples in one go. But again, it doesn't bother us too much. I think, you know, there are places that will do it quicker, but the results aren't as good. And it's the quality of what you get back that's important. Yeah. Because it Absolutely. Means, yeah, it means then that you can use that. When we have some people, we're still working through it two years later um, because the quality is so good and you can, the depth of analysis is so good. Um, and then we put it into a report probably I think it's about 30 pages. And then I do a separate vet summary, which is um, specific to your dog, which is really important because every dog is different. And there's also a master key to the microbiome. We found that if you attack, if there's one point, uh, if you ch can change one point, everything else seems to fall in place behind it much easier than if you attack it on several fronts. So, I'll do a summary uh, describing this is where you've got to start and then off you go and you get your report and off you go and make, make a start. Um, and that's it really. And then we keep in touch with people. I think we're still in touch with people over three, four years. So, okay. So how long roughly would a sample take to come back? You know, if someone's worried about their dog. Probably two weeks. And, and also, if, if you're worried about your dog, we tend to just send it into the lab and say, just put this in with with because um, they've got research going on all the time. And they're really very good at that. But, mm, we don't, mm. you know, we it's all very hands on, you know, and, and grassroots, I think. But it's very professional and I'm very proud of, of the quality of what we do. I'm really, really pleased with that. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. You see, I'm intrigued by this now. So when you said you have a key that there's one place to start in yeah. fixing your dog's microbiome, what yeah. is that? 
Um, what could it be? I know every dog's different, but please give an example. Um, it could be pathogens. So something like Campylobacter, Helicobacter. If you're from a family with autism, I know it's got a new word now, and I'm, I'm really sorry. Is it neurogenerative? I'm sorry, I don't know what the new word is, but you... I don't think anyone will mind. We apologise no. in advance. <laughs> um, but you, you'll share a microbiome with your dog. You share about 25% with the dog. So Really? So is my microbiome... I read this somewhere recently yeah. and it just interested me because I always say I think we're more dog than we yes. actually realize because we've yes. evolved epigenetically together yes. for you know 20 odd thousand years so um I really believe that and yeah. then I was reading this so please I'll just we could talk for hours Carol I'm, I'm really excited about this <laughs> so 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 oh so really we're 25% dog is that what you're yeah. saying yeah 25% dog, and, and that is time and time again you get um, people, it was the autism part that, that really brought it home. They have a particular type of bacteria, um, an autistic human profile is contains high levels of Sutterella, and that's passed on to the dog, but the dog doesn't, it just causes them discomfort because they don't really belong with the dog at that level. And so you have to treat both people with, with a kind of plant. We're quite big into plant antimicrobials because antibiotics, you don't want to give antibiotics, obviously, because it destroys the microbiome. So we do it that way. Um, but the cat is like the soil. The cat is closest to the soil. And oh, the wow. dog is close to the human. And the horse is sort of somewhere in between, really. So interesting. This is so interesting. I mean, surely this is making you know, kind of more sense of our own evolution through your research as well, would you say? Uh, yeah, I, like I say, I think to me, it's it's just logical. Um, the microbiome is so uh, incredibly logical. Um, I think the other problem we have with dogs is that where you need the master switch is, is lack of diversity. So you get some dogs with a Shannon index diversity score of maybe 1.9, and it should be sort of three or 2.5 to three. And so clearly the first master step that you have to take is to restore the diversity. And you can either do that, we're quite big on quite fans of soil um, probiotics or fecal matter transplants, I think is the other way to kickstart that. That's a very new area, isn't it? I know she talking about Karen, Dr. Karen Becker again. She, I think, was one of the first to do um, a fetal transplant. Now, what would you say then about food <laughs> um, and yeah. an average dog's diet in this country? Um, I mean, uh, how do you feel about feeding dogs sterile diets? Um, I, do you know, when we first started this, I was so shocked that of what was in a dog microbiome, I didn't, it really put me off writing a report because the news was so grim um, and what was going on was so, I can only say quite shocking that it was hard to get your head around and hard to pass that on to someone who maybe didn't know much about microbiology and was gonna get a report saying your dog is full of pathogens um, and it's come from this source. But what source would that be? Um, do you know, I think it's more processed food coming from food sources 
that have already been infected with a bacteria um, that are factory farmed. I don't think, I mean, we're looking at insects at the moment and what bacteria are contained. Um, so if you had an outbreak of disease in an insect factory, you would those bacteria would pass on. They're not killed by, by boiling them or, or heat. That dog will get the bacteria in its microbiome. And it depends at what percentage, um, you know, if it's, it may be all right if it's 0.1% of the biome, but if it starts to get up to two and 3% of the biome, then it, it, there's a knock on set of changes that makes the dog ill and it's quite rapid. Um, the other thing is factory farmed fish. They're really bad for Shoanella at certain times of the year, they'll have an outbreak of that disease and then it gets into the dog. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, and I don't know because I'm not not uh, as up on production methods, but if they're allowed, if the food isn't high enough in protein, I believe they can add protein in um, in some form, and that can be from any any source. Um, I'm now talking about sort of kibble type. Yeah, no, I know you are. Yeah, absolutely. But then, and indeed, yeah. you know, with kibble, you know, because obviously I'm a canine nutritionist and with kibble, I get very upset really with kibble, yeah. you know, because it's so misleading to people. That's what upsets me. You know, the the front of the packet might make it seem like a really good option for your dog. And if you don't know, if you've never had a dog before, then you think, oh, this looks really good. And everybody wants the best for their dog. I, I really mm -hmm. believe that. But in fact, you know, unwittingly, by accident, you can potentially be doing quite a lot of harm. I mean, I recently did quite a bit of research on glycotoxins in no. um, processed food, you know, um, AGEs that haven't really been studied and um, significantly on their effects on dogs. They have on humans. You know, we all know, or a lot of people listening will know what an acrylamide is. You know, acrylamides have been you know, said to be carcinogens to humans, and they are definitely in kibble, <laughs> you yes. know, and but people don't know that, you know, and so over time, surely, particularly if your dog's antibiotic resistant already, yeah, th they're going to become immunocompromised, or am I barking up the wrong tree here? No, um, because I, th I think with the, a when we were using the AI, uh, we were putting a lot of dogs through and looking, and the AI was throwing up to 100% accuracy um, the dogs with gastric discomfort, inflammation, and allergies, particularly. Um, but it was pointing to some kind of environmental contaminant that, again, it would take probably a whole, you know, set a, a whole bunch of researchers to keep looking into. But it's certainly a contaminant that's in food and possibly water, but mostly food. So if you're feeding whole ingredients, you've got less chance of that coming into the diet than if you're feeding something processed. Right. Yep. 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 Makes sense, doesn't it, really? Yeah. You know. What, what's quite frightening is the power those bacteria have. Because you, when, when you're talking about an infection, you may be talking about Campylobacter causing problems maybe at 10% of the whole biome. But for some reason, these environmental pollutants, they're at quite low levels, but they make a big difference. That's quite, I don't know, disconcerting because you, they're, they're obviously talking to the body. They're obviously signaling in some way that we, I, I certainly won't be able to find out on my own. And it could be years before anyone looks into it at the depth we're doing now. 
Um, so all you can do is just sort of put in your reports, look, don't feed that kind of food. Um, mm. Don't feed it, catch on. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, I've been feeding a raw, balanced, um, complete diet for over 20 years. It goes back to my childhood, really, where we never fed our dogs. Well, kibble actually didn't really exist. I'm that old. But um, <laughs> and my cat, who might just knock the microphone now, he he eats um, raw as well. And my previous cat, similarly. I mean, I, I suppose the question I'm gearing up to asking you would be, in your opinion, if you were to recommend a diet to a dog or, or a cat even, um, what would it be? Um, I think for sure bone broth with herbs in to to put because I, I i'm not into digestion i mean you know it's the um i'm not a dog nutritionist but i know what the biome needs so um bone broth with herbs that are cooked to release the polyphenol content because what the biome needs are polyphenols mm -hmm. and soil so digging up bones Manky bones, the, the, the mankier the better, are buried in the muck pile and then ingested great, but only if you don't have an antibiotic resistant biome to start with. Um, and food that isn't factory farmed. So interesting, isn't it? Yes, because we all saw Jamie Oliver's chicken campaign, and I know particularly chickens and turkeys, and well, I'm sure, and also, cat, I mean, you read about industrial farming and it just makes you cry, doesn't it? Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. But this is so interesting. So people can go on your website, can't they, Carol, yeah. and dig about. And if they're interested, like me, <laughs> to order one of your kits, what's your website address? Um, www.petbiome.org. Okay, I'm really also excited because I only discovered today that you're going to be exhibiting at the um, Natural Dog Expo in May. Is that right? Yes, yes. Oh, oh hurrah, because we're going to meet because I'm oh, hosting great. it. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yes, fantastic. yeah. I'm, sorry. <laughs> it's my um my stray cat that moved in after my last cat. Sadly, had an untimely death, Carol. We won't go oh. there now. I know, I know. That was an environmental poisoning issue actually um not from what he ate but um yes yes well let's not go there but so I've rehabbed this uh, stray cat whose microbiome has I think clearly got better through you mm -hmm. know a nice environment and security here and good care and he's looking completely different to what he did six months ago mm -hmm. and he's quite funny actually I've named him Baggy because he's got bags of character and he loves chomping into a very obligate carnivore type diet which I hope you'll approve of. <laughs> yeah well I have to say when I suggested um, to a vet that the cat needed to eat furry things and um, you know, bones and feathers would be good. I think they were actually quite shocked, but um, <laughs> I can only report what the biome needs, you know, because I'm not a nutritionist. I can say this is what it needs and this is where it'll get it from. And sometimes... Do you think vets will, sorry, Carol, to interrupt, but... do you think vets will listen to you? Um, I don't know. It's a bit of a race, isn't it, between whether the big nutritional companies will get themselves set up to say, this is what the biome needs, but 
it's just about what they the little bit of research they've done and they've conveniently put it in a packet and they're marketing it um and those vets that really want to understand about microbiology because it's totally fascinating to me especially with the knock-on effect to so many other diseases and we do provide them with everything they need i've just emailed one before talking to you and said look we do a, a consultation to get it over to you how interesting and how relevant and how straightforward and logic it is um you know because sometimes i think they worry that it's too complicated you know they don't have much time do they and it's just all too complicated what too complicated to feed your feed your pet on real food no that's dead easy but i <laughs> I, I think that <laughs> i think that sort of terms and the um i don't know i think that I just get the feeling that if you talk about inflammation in the biome, they suddenly want to get a lot of diagnostic tools going at the same time that won't give them the same answer as a, a microbiome test, but maybe is is easier to, to um, for them to understand. Um, the microbiome is such a big ecosystem that they've got to get their head around a lot more information. Perhaps that's what I'm trying to Yeah, and I suppose also vets haven't really studied the microbiome awfully much because it's quite new, isn't it, really? I mean, I know it's been there forever, but in terms of us discovering that it's there as this lining in everybody's guts and, 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 you know, and the fact that it does contain bacteria, which so many people think, oh, bacteria is bad, we must live in a sterile world. But you look at nature... And that's not how nature works, is it? No, no. Um, I, I think I'm a big one on, I like the bad guys. I um, I love a pathogen in the microbiome primes the immune system. Because if you think of the, the microbiome to me, I always look at it as though it's a city. And in a city that sort of works as a city, you've got a police force. Well, you've only got a police force, which you have in the microbiome, it's called Clostridium. If you've got, you know, people that cause damage or are robbers or, you know, cause, break the law, really. And I think a pathogen is like that. And a good police force will understand that and be able to control it. So if you get rid of all the pathogens, you don't need a police force. And that shows in the microbiome because you don't have the strength and the diversity within the clostridium to control lots of pathogens. So interesting. It's We could talk for ages, and I really hope that this has stimulated some thought for everyone listening. And I know if people email you, I know it's all clear on your website to do that, that yeah. you know, you'll be very happy to answer questions, perhaps even from some vets. Would be yes. would be really good, wouldn't it? It would be really good for vets to become really interested in this this city, the city inside us that yeah. is the microbiome. I love that analogy, Carol. I I'm so excited about meeting you in real life in a few weeks. So um, thank you so much. I'd love to regroup actually and do another podcast. Would you be up for it? Yeah, no, I'd love to. Yeah, because we haven't to. actually spoken about your dogs. You've got one of the most 
<laughs> rare breed British breeds of dogs isn't actually kennel club registered just segueing a little bit Crufts is coming up and you won't see a plumber terrier in the show ring which I think is a great shame now I've actually seen one what a striking <laughs> striking dog Carol you own yeah well he's he, he's very he's very beautiful very beautiful um we lost a failed terrier and I never thought that I'd replace him and then the plumber terrier came along. We are quite big terrier people. I've also got a patterdale. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> That's brilliant. I knew why I liked you. Yeah. <laughs> I've got terriers. You see, I've got a bull terrier and an English toy terrier. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, terriers, who would be without one, really? But we also have bigger dogs. Um, we, we quite like a mix, but we've just got two small ones at the moment. And the plumber is just probably the most challenging dog I've ever owned. Um, and the most in-your-face dog, um, and and he's so tuned to you. I've never probably had a dog quite like him, but I can recommend them. <laughs> no, lovely. And are they all ginger and white? Yeah, I think there's some that you can have a bit of black in, but um, Chris, a lady called Chris Glover runs the club on Facebook, and if you want to see more, you know, go there and there's there's loads. But they're ever so similar I think the gene pool's quite small which is why we've kept him entire I probably would have kept him entire anyway um because there just aren't that many about and I bet you when we have our next conversation you might reveal that spaying and neutering could it damage the microbiome yeah 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 it's changed exciting yeah it's changed my mind totally I have to say I, I don't think you can look at the microbiome look at the unseen without really it hitting you in the face, how much it changes what you can see. The unseen is probably more important than what you can see. Um, and we've got the tools to look at it now, you know? It's not a mystery. Um, the, the technology is absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, why not use it? Absolutely. I mean, I think I've learned today the only good use I can see for artificial intelligence so far. Yes. So, this is even more exciting but Caroline let's leave it there and leave people wanting more and leave people wanting to find out more that's the key to do but I've so enjoyed this conversation thank you so much for your time no thank you Anna thank you no 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 I'm going to be getting one of these tests actually because I'm absolutely fascinated by by the microbiome and there's a lot of different types of health tests out there at the moment actually lots of people are getting involved with tests before you treat which is you know a mantra that is very prevalent in Scandinavia you know you you can't just go and buy a flea treatment in Sweden you know you have to be prescribed with fleas or prescribed with worms before which um, again I think is important again I'm sure for the microbiome but also for the planet (laughs) Mm. Mm. thank you Carol gosh thank you welcome and um, until the next time thank you very much yeah take care Well, that was part one of our conversation with Carol. She's going to be back next week and we're going a little bit deeper. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. (coughs) Never underestimate what the great old Hippocrates says, which is, let medicine be thy food and food be thy medicine. (coughs) 
I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcast because it makes a massive difference. Thanks again, of course, to Carol Hughes for joining us today and all the links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike, my producer, for all the music and production as ever and find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Web Dogs or check out my website for various packages on nutrition, behaviour or a combination of both. What's that, Mr Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So if you haven't subscribed, go on and that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye for now.